Welcome to BIV Daily, the podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. This week, our podcast is examining the changing nature of work, its dynamics, the challenges in the pandemic era, and how employers and employees are adapting to this new normal. Our series is brought to you by the professional services firm Deloitte, by the workers' compensation organization WorkSafe BC, and by the law firm Harrison Company. Now, we're only a few weeks into the sequence of reopening of businesses and workplace in our communities in British Columbia. We've been lucky. We're doing it sooner than a lot of other places. But there remain many questions and uncertainties about how to proceed. To help us answer these issues, we've enlisted Chris Back. He's the Director of Occupational Health and Safety Consultation and Education Services at WorkSafe BC. Good to have you with us. Yeah, thank you very much, Kirk. Glad to be here. I think the the thing that most businesses would likely be asking is really how they how they create a safety plan and how because they most places really want their people back as quickly as possible. Um, so let's. Um, by the way, let, let, can we dispel a myth right away? Do, do you need WorkSafe BC's approval before you can reopen? No, you don't, Kirk. Um, and that is a perception that has been out there since uh, since the announcements back in, in May around phase two and coming into phase three is there is a perception that employers do need to send their plans to WorkSAPC and have them approved uh, prior to being able to reopen or continue operations. And that's not the case. Uh, we just don't have capacity for that, really. And uh, we also have to have trust that with the uh, appropriate resources and tools in place for employers that they will be able to uh, put their plans in place and and move forward with uh, resuming operations in a safe manner. So, so there is, I think, uh, what what I think you correctly term and the literature that I've seen a hierarchy that has to take place in in some of this as you uh, get yourself open again. So, where do you start? What's the first thing you typically counsel businesses to do? Yeah, you know, the first thing actually is really to understand the uh, orders and the notices and the guidance that has been put forward by the provincial health officer uh, or the provincial health office. And the first is the requirement for employers to create a COVID safety plan. Uh, now, with certain industries, uh, there are other orders that are in place that have specific protocols um, for those industries, such as restaurants. Uh, there are specific protocols that restaurants need to follow. Um, once you understand what those orders are as an employer, uh, then it's about going through a step-by-step process in order to create that plan. And what WorkSafeBC has done is uh, developed a, a template, essentially, that walks employers through a six-step process in creating their COVID safety plan. Um, and we can go through some of those details and, and talk about the hierarchy. But essentially, when you break down those six steps, step one first is really about assessing the risk, understanding where in the workplace there is potential exposure for COVID. Um, once the employer understands where that potential exposure occurs, then step two is around coming up with the control measures in order to minimize that risk for the workers. So when, typically, Chris, would that be uh, things like understanding your washroom setups or the surfaces that you've got uh, that are shared or the equipment that gets passed around, those kinds of things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's certain factors that uh, will increase the likelihood of transmission and, and the biggest being people coming within close contact of each other. Mm-hmm. So where you may have 
your workers coming in close contact with other workers or with the public uh, or with service providers, then that's really where the employer needs to be focusing their efforts. And also, as you pointed out, uh, um, surface contact, really focusing on, on those surfaces that are contacted frequently throughout the day. So door handles or light switches or possibly um, your credit card machines, uh, other things like that. The washrooms are a good example as well. So where there is regular contact with surfaces, you want to have good cleaning and hygiene protocols in place. Yeah, it's a bit of a digression maybe, but are a lot of places almost employing people or, or assigning people to be full-time cleaners and kind of, you know, following people around as they're in the workforce in order to just make sure that those things like door handles, like, like those commonly used areas are, are spick and span all the time. Well, I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be up to the employer um, in, in how they're going to put together their plan. And I think in the reason WorkSafeBC doesn't become too prescriptive in this is because it really does depend on the layout of the, of the workplace, the environment that they work in, the type of industry that they're in. Um, but when the employer comes up with that process, what they should be doing is setting it up in a way that they have the policies and procedures to back it up. So when they look at cleaning and hygiene, focusing in on, you know, let's say the washrooms, for example, how often are those washrooms used throughout the day? Uh, and I would suspect even pre-COVID employers have regular cleaning protocols in place for their washrooms. Mm-hmm. But in the case of COVID, you may need to be upping that uh, those cleaning protocols and putting in more robust policies and procedures and then ensuring that you do have the staff assigned to do it, A, and then B, ensuring that they're trained on how to do it. So if you have staff member that typically would not do that cleaning um, or disinfecting and they are now going to be taking on those protocols, they need to be trained and oriented on how to do that appropriately. Good. Okay. It's, it's more of a white collar consideration than one for, say, factories or manufacturing plants where there's almost not a whole lot of choice about a factory line or an assembly line. But in most white collar offices, you, you have a little bit of agency about how you allocate your space and all of this. So, again, uh, is the social distancing, the, uh, the, the two meter separation of employees, like a, a very prime consideration as you get going? Um, it is. And, and when we look at it from the hierarchy of, uh, we call it the hierarchy of controls of what's most effective to what's least effective, we do ask employers, we recommend that employers focus on the physical distancing first. So where you have the ability, and we call that the, uh, you know, in, in the hierarchy, we call that the elimination. So uh, by really focusing on the physical distancing, you can eliminate most of that risk uh, in maintaining the two meters. So starting there, that's really where employers should be starting. So where employers have the ability to rearrange the workplace, um, rearrange the flow of, uh, of how people move throughout the workplace. Um, some employers have the luxury of having staff work remotely, possibly working from home. Uh, you know, not everyone is going to have that luxury, but if you do, it is a good consideration to, to look at by allowing to maintain that physical distancing where the physical distancing can't be maintained. Uh, then that's where you need to start looking at other levels of control. And as you come down that hierarchy, we go to engineering controls next, which would be controlling it at the point of the risk. In the case of COVID, we see plexiglass barriers in grocery stores, for example. That's a really good example of a physical engineering control that can be put in place to create a barrier for the risk. Where you just 
have no other real choice operationally but to proceed and you know with people uh, this close together. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, and it really, again, focusing on the physical distancing first, but we recognize there's lots of cases where that can't happen. So again, physical barriers could be an example. You can then go down further on the hierarchy to engineering control, or sorry, to uh, administrative controls. And those are the policies and the procedures and the rules that you put in place. So again, I'll use grocery stores as an example. A person walks into a grocery store and you see arrows on the floor going up and down the aisles to try and create flow of people. The challenge with the administrative controls and the reason why we find them to be lower on the hierarchy is because they do require the behaviors of individuals to be effective. When you have rules in, in place, people need to follow those rules for them to work. Most yeah. people are going to, but not everyone is. And it's not exactly as if there are uh, evident sanctions that you can place against people uh, when, you know, when they don't behave in this way, where they don't uh, align with the behavior, is there? I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of an honor system. It is. It is to a certain extent, which again is why those administrative controls are considered to be lower on the hierarchy than, than the plexiglass barriers or the, uh, um, uh, the elimination, the physical distancing. So then, uh, then we're into this uh, field around personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. And I know there's, there's, there's a lot of debate right now about its effectiveness, but very clearly for a lot of people, this is an important thing to have, to have available, whether it's masks, even gloves in some cases and all that. Where, what is WorkSafe BC telling employers and employees at the moment about, about personal protective equipment? Yeah, so um, it, it, it is. It's a, this is a big topic of, of conversation and, and probably the most frequent questions we get as an organization are related to personal protective equipment and in particular the masks. And if you look, if we go back to that hierarchy, personal protective equipment is actually the lowest level of control on that hierarchy and it comes under the administrative controls, that third level. And the reason is, is because they aren't as effective as the physical distancing or as the, as the plexiglass barriers or other physical barriers. Right. But we find that employers and workers jump to the PPE as, as that first line of defense, having those masks or possibly even having the gloves. And it's not something that um, uh, that we want employers to focus on first. We're not yeah, saying it's interesting, interesting that that's the that's the priority, isn't it? I mean, it's almost like it is. It's like a self-preservation feel to it, or something. I, well, and I, and I think I think it's just this um, almost false sense of security that people feel that if they have a mask on or they have gloves on, that they're protecting themselves. But if you really look at the science behind it, yes, there are there are there is some level of protection that's provided, but it shouldn't be the only control measure that employers are looking at. In fact, they should be focusing higher up on that hierarchy of controls with physical distancing and physical and uh, and uh, barriers, uh, administrative controls before they go to masks. However. It's not to say that we're not recommending masks. There are, there's definitely a place for masks to be worn. Um, an example might be uh, where you have multiple people in a vehicle that need to travel. Maybe it's a tourism outfit that is transporting um, a, a number of tourists down to a whale watching uh, uh, tour or, or to an ATV tour or something along those lines where you have multiple people in a vehicle. That might be a situation where you can't necessarily maintain the physical distancing Barriers are going to be difficult in the vehicle, so you may want to consider masks in that situation to protect the workers. Yeah. Well, when you talk about your own personal safety, obviously, you know, it, it, it can trigger a lot of things in people. And I, I wonder how important you think it is 
that as you're developing your plan or even as you're refining it, that employers and employees are working together on this? How, how, how more effective can that be? Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, we've, we've done a lot of webinars on this topic and that is probably one of the more important points that we want to bring across is the fact that employers need to be involving the workforce in the development of their COVID safety plan. There's a lot of fear out there right now. There's a lot of fear with, uh, with workers coming back to work and whether or not they're potentially going to be exposing themselves in the workplace. And the employer, it, it can go a long ways in reducing that fear by including their workers in that process. Now, even in the regulation, there is a requirement for employers to have a joint occupational health and safety committee if they have more than 20 workers. Um, if they have less than 20, between 9 and 19, they need to have a worker health and safety representative. Um, less than nine, uh, then they need to look at ways to include those workers. So there is a requirement there already, but right now more than ever, it is extremely important that employers are involving the workers in assessing where that risk occurs, looking at how those control measures are being put in place, um, and then ensuring that that training and supervision and monitoring is, is occurring throughout all of that. So extremely important. We can't emphasize that enough. And, and officers, in fact, will be looking for that if they come out and do an inspection of a workplace. Well, then let's uh, uh, veer into that issue as well, which is, you know, you, you, obviously you don't have a large army of, uh, of people inspecting and all of that. But what, what typically is going to happen if a WorkSafe officer uh, shows up at a work site is, is, you know, are you on notice? You know, are you, are you in trouble right away if you, you're not adhering to everything? Tell me what, what typically happens with these. Yeah, for sure. So, um, no, you're not, not in trouble right away. In fact, we are taking a very consultative approach on this. Uh, we understand that this is a challenging time. This is a new risk for many employers, uh, for all of us, um, in, in every walk of our lives, this is new and we're trying to figure out our way through it. Uh, and we recognize that as an organization. Um, so we have roughly about 300 officers in, in the province and they are out there actively doing inspections for, for uh, related to COVID and working with employers, but really taking a consultative approach. Um, you know, asking the right questions when they come in to see how the employer is doing, seeing what challenges the employer might have in putting together their COVID safety plan. Um, they are going to ask how the employer has developed their plan I guess, if they've developed their plan and how they've gone through the process of developing that plan, they're going to ask to see that the employer has considered those six steps that I, uh, that I spoke about earlier. Um, the employer is going to want to have a conversation with the workers, whether that's through the Joint Occupational and Safety Committee or through the Worker Health and Safety Representative, to verify that, in fact, the workers have been included in that process. Mm -hmm. But it is very consultative. Um, we are there to help employers as best as we can, uh, help them understand um, where, the re where they can find resources uh, and how to get through the, the risk assessment and the, and the control measures. Yeah. Um, well, I was just going to say the, the last thing I'll, I'll mention there, though, is that if employers are not doing their due diligence, they're not protecting the health and safety of their workers related to COVID, um, then there is a possibility that in that case, there will be orders written. Yeah, and I was going to ask about uh, about also uh, an employee's concern about lack of uh, adequate protection, for instance, uh, a lack of adequate safety or not adhering to the guidelines that exist in the province right now. Um, is is the mechanism that then a complaint gets filed with WorkSafe BC and then gets a, a bit of an ex, uh, you know a, an examination of some sort? 
Yeah, that's absolutely a possibility. Um, so you know, anyone can call our prevention line, and and uh, and I can uh, I can provide those phone numbers if if that's of interest. Um, so anyone can call the prevention line, and that will result in uh, an action request. Depending on what the complaint is, it will result in an action request. Where if you have that number handy, feel free go go ahead right now. Yeah, I do. It's uh, it's six zero four two seven six. 3100 and that's within the lower mainland so again 604-276-3100 outside of the lower mainland uh, toll free 1-888-621-SAFE so that's 1-888-621-7233 so anyone can call and uh, and um, you know employers can call and ask questions of prevention officers uh, if they're having challenges but yes a worker can call if things aren't uh, if they don't feel that their safety is being protected but really, it does come back to, you know, before we before workers start calling WorkSafe BC, they need to have that conversation with their employer. So again, I, I emphasize the importance of the employer, including the workers in the process. And if a worker, even after that plan has been put in place, still feels that their safety is not being adequately protected related to COVID, we encourage workers to bring that up with their employers and the employer under the right to refuse unsafe work protocols or, or um, uh, the regulation, they are required to do an investigation and look at the, the situation with the workers and come up with resolution. If they can't come to resolution, then yes, contacting WorkSafeBC will result in an action request where one of our officers will come out and, uh, and work through that, that issue. Okay, Chris, last area that I think we'd be interested in in exploring, because here we are, we're in the fourth month of the pandemic, uh, where work sites have been shut, in some cases, of course, they're opening now. Um, You know, you're you're the person that's really having a great look at this. Has the... um, Has the science shifted? Has the, you know, have, have the guidelines, do you think, gotten stronger, you know, more... Relaxed. How how do you think they've adjusted in this period? Yeah, I mean, I think I think as time has gone on and we've learned more about this issue, uh, both within our own jurisdiction as well as learned from other jurisdictions in Canada and, and across the world. I think we've been been able to become much more um, uh, specific and uh, and create more clarity in what the expectation is for employers. Uh, you know, back in March, April, when we were just learning about this and understanding the issue and understanding how it spreads, um, you know, we were still learning at, at that point. I think all of us were, uh, both at the provincial health office perspective, works at APC, uh, employers, workers everywhere. But as time has gone on and as we, Works APC, have consulted with industry to understand their challenges within industry and put together the protocols that are on our website, I think we have been able to develop guidance and protocols for employers um, that are specific to their industry uh, and allow them to allow employers to be able to explore what's going to work in their particular situation and provide them with some guidance moving forward. So I I think the information has become more specific uh, and we've been able to create some really good guidance for employers moving forward. And I encourage, I encourage employers to take a look at what we have on our website uh, there is plenty of, of information, plenty of resources on our website available for employers. And if they're stuck in developing their plan, give us a call. Uh, last point, in, and uh, I don't want to have you necessarily speculate on how long the pandemic's going to last, but I will ask this. Do you, do you think that many of the measures that we're now implementing in the pandemic 
are going to remain with us after after all of this. That, that in a way we've taken some lessons from this that we are going to hold as as permanent. Yes, I, I do. And you're right. I can't speculate on how long this is going to go on for. But I, I think this has done a, a number of things. Uh, first of all, I think this has actually heightened the awareness of health and safety in general for many employers. Um, and we've experienced that through the, the consultations and the education and the even the webinars that we've been doing and the, the stakeholders we've been engaging with. They might have been stakeholders we typically would would not have engaged with in the past. Uh, they might have been in a what we would consider to be a lower risk industry. Um, I believe that for all employers in the province, this has heightened the awareness of health and safety in general. I think specific to COVID, we are now set up in a way that we really understand um, the, the this issue, and we and employers have been able to put protocols and plans in place that if we either have a second wave of COVID later on this year or even another pandemic five years from now um, that employers, I think, are now in a much better position to be able to react uh, and to be able to have the appropriate plans in place and the appropriate health and safety measures in place to protect their workers uh, and, and continue um, uh, operations of their business. You would like to hope that no one's going to forget this period. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for your help today. Yeah, absolutely, Kirk. Nice talking to you as well. Thank you. Chris Back is the Director of Occupational Health and Safety Consultation and Education Services at WorkSafe BC. You've been watching BIB Daily. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks for joining us.